This is Show Up as a Leader, a show from People Forward Network, helping you maximize your positive impact on the world by becoming your best, fully authentic self. I am so excited about this conversation with Rebecca Matter. She is this amazing, amazing human being, an amazing leader. She is the CEO of Wambi, and her goal is to ensure that every patient has a voice, that every great provider is recognized, and that every organization delivers the best patient care. And even if you are not in healthcare, there are so many nuggets of wisdom from her. She also recently launched her podcast, Moments Move Us. And we talk about so many things about showing our human side as a leader and the value of really balancing masculine and feminine traits in business. And she talks about how in the mundane of our life lies the exceptional and we can shine a light on it. We talk about love as a business principle and just so many things. And wait till you hear how she describes our number one job as leaders and what matters so much. I think you're going to get a ton out of this conversation. Happy listening. I started Wambi for some very personal reasons. My first cousin, Alex Corin and I both share sort of a similar upbringing. Both of our fathers suffered from the same chronic illness. And growing up, we kind of, no matter what we wanted or not, we were in healthcare. We saw caregivers in our homes. We were in the hospital with our family members. And it was sort of through that experience that we got a very up close and personal look at the beauty that really exists at the bedside when someone is caring for your loved one and caring for you too. And so the caregivers really gave us hope and safety at times when really there wasn't a lot of that. And as we grew up, I went into tech and sales and, and did some stuff out in California. And Alex became the director of patient experience and inpatient setting in South Florida. And it was there that she started to recognize that no matter what she did for patients and families, it kind of reflected her experience growing up, which was that when team members came in the room and they were engaged and present and really there with their whole hearts, that made all the difference in the caring for um, the patient. But when they were burnt out and stressed and didn't really want to be there, that had the inverse impact. And so Alex had this realization that, well, we need a way to make sure that the caregivers at the bedside know their value and know how much the patients and families appreciate them. And she had an idea for how we could do that by leveraging the real-time voice of patients and families. And she shared that with me. And at the time, I was like, oh, wow, my cousin has a cool idea, but who knows whether it will work or not. And she convinced me, as well as a bunch of other folks, she built a beta version of this product, this recognition platform informed by the voice of patients and families in real time at point of care. And uh, I flew out to Florida to help her get the beta off the ground. And it was very evident to me pretty quickly that this was something special. The nurses and caregivers felt really seen and moved by the gratitude that was coming in. They shared gratitude with one another. And it created this virtuous uh, giving circle of gratitude and positivity within the organization, which transformed the culture. So at the end of 2016, Alex and I decided to leave our posts and our, our current jobs. And we teamed up and we founded Wambi and the rest is history. I love that on so many levels. And I can only imagine, you know, the past two years is this pandemic drags on how even more important what you're doing is because I do a ton of work in healthcare and I coach physicians and healthcare leaders and they're 
exhausted. They can't give the care that they know they should be able to give. They're getting beat up by people. So how has WAMBI really helped some of these healthcare organizations during this incredibly difficult pandemic? So you're totally right about the great attrition that's happening and this parallel pandemic of burnout. The way WAMBI helps is by changing the conversation and flipping it on its head to not where the areas where we need to improve, but rather what's going well. And let's focus on the areas that are going well. And yes, we will find areas for opportunity um, to improve. But if we can focus on the things that are going really well, the amazing patient stories that share the humanity that exists between a caregiver and a, and a patient or family member, or if we can share when people go over and beyond the environmental services worker who sings to his patients when he comes in the room, or that tech who shared her cell phone charger when the patient didn't have one in order to call his wife after a surgery. It's stories like this that really remind us all of why we went into healthcare in the first place. And I think getting people back to their why is one of the most sticky things we can do to help drive value and belonging, which are two of the most critical reasons that help people stay in, in a position. And right now it couldn't be harder to be in healthcare. And so when we know the environment is extra difficult, we need to tie people back to the juice that got them there in the first place. And that is the purpose. And that's what WAMBI does really beautifully. It's tying people in a very transparent way to their impact and then tying them to each other to create feelings of value and belonging. Reconnecting employees to why we're here. Obviously you're in healthcare, but even outside of healthcare is is so critical. The other thing I love about what you're doing is it reminds me, and I'm not going to get the quote exactly right, but Marcus Buckingham has said something about, we need to shine a light into every corner of the organization where good is happening. And that's really what came up for me as you were talking. It's how often is it we got to improve, we have to improve, but we all have a core human need to want to be seen and heard and feel like we matter. And so what you're really doing is tapping into that core human need and, and shining that light on the simple things and the extraordinary things that really remind us of what's good in our common humanity. I love the way you put that. And it reminds me of something that we talk about a lot at WAMBI and with healthcare organizations around the country. And that is that in the mundane lies the exceptional. And I feel like so many times you hear healthcare workers, I mean, I can't even count the number of times I've heard this. We're just doing our jobs. We're just doing what we were here to do. And it's like, well, yeah, you are providing the care, which is your job, but your job goes so far beyond diagnosis, treatment, follow-up. It goes beyond that. You're caring for the whole person when you show up fully present and connected. And I feel like that is where the true healing lives. Caring for a patient is not just a science, it's an art form. And so there are many people within healthcare, I think, that need to be reminded of this because they are so special. 100%. And what I love about this is that you're really kind of flipping, if you will, old school business practices on its head. Because let's be honest, old school business has really overvalued these hyper-masculine traits of money, power, and control as measures of success. Even in healthcare, it's RVUs or it's patient seen. And yet we know that even outside of healthcare, that has led to a myriad of issues. And I love what you're doing at WAMBI, and I've seen this in other organizations that gives me hope as we're starting to see a greater appreciation and valuing of more of those feminine traits of empathy, 
nurturing, caring, and connection. And for some reason, masculine traits were seen as the strength or the good or whatever, or the positive and the feminine were somehow weaker less than, yet they're really, really essential. And I know that you've been really breaking the mold at Wambi as an organization by really looking at business differently and really nurturing maybe some of those more feminine traits. Can you talk more about that and how you've leveraged it to be successful? You know, when we first started the company, I was coming from a large corporate environment. And even when it was just me and Alex and maybe one other team member, I was showing up with my suit and with my hair straightened and kind of in this vibe that I had lived in for so many years in in my corporate life. And after about a year and a half of, of starting the company, I began to really think about is this the example that I want to set for my team when I want my team to show up authentically and to feel like they belong? And I began to realize, well, I'm not showing up that way. So how can they show up that way? And I feel like this realization for me was a big deal because then I started to wear my hair curly. I began to wear the clothes that I felt comfortable in. I talked a different way, like using more humor and, and silliness sometimes, being more in touch with my feelings in the moment when we were talking about something. And at Wambi, we talk a lot about very critical moments that are really just these beautiful instances of connection that are transformative. And sometimes they bring you to tears. And so I realized if I'm feeling moved like this, that's okay. And I need to lead in a fully present, authentic way that brings my whole self into this. And it's not going to be mimicking the way that I did it before. Sarah Blakely said some amazing things recently, how she's conducted her business using feminine business principles of intuition and empathy, kindness, and vulnerability. And I couldn't agree more that those are the things that I think are really driving hopefully many female leaders today. And Sarah's a great example of someone that uh, I look up to that has set the stage for making this a norm. Because I think years ago, and it wasn't that many years ago, it was very uncommon to see female leaders showing up in a very feminine way. And I'm, I'm using these sort of gender specific terms, but in a softer way, in a way that leads with the heart, in a more emotional way where you're really trying to connect with someone. And actually you're just letting sort of your feelings be known when it is relevant instead of hiding things and keeping that buttoned up type of impression. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what's interesting is Ariana Huffington, when she wrote her book, Thrive, talked about when she was killing herself, building the Huffington Post and the business world really does overvalue those hypermasculine traits. And she was saying, you know, that doesn't work well for women, but let's be honest, it's not working well for men either. And really, I love that, you know, the shift of it's about love and it, it's, it's compassionate. It's not weak, it's human. And I think people want that humanity and they want realness and authenticity over polish and perfection any day of the week. And I, I was smiling as you were talking about this stuff, because I remember I, I don't have curly, curly hair like you, but I have wavy hair. And I remember for a long time, I had a chin length bob. And for some reason, I thought that straightening it made me look more professional. <laughs> like, I don't know what, what in the world. And I wore these suits and stuff. And when I got rid of my suits, and I started embracing that my favorite color is sparkle, and I started letting it just it's like, you just settle into your skin. And it's so much easier to just connect with people when you're being whoever you authentically are versus trying to play some kind of role or some facade. And I think people see through it anyway. I, I totally agree. And you know, it's interesting because when we talk about love, I think when people hear 
that love is a principle that you conduct your business by, they're kind of like, whoa, this sounds like maybe an HR disaster, or this looks like something so soft, or you guys focus on a ROI, like, you know, do you care about the success of your business? And that conversation, I think, is getting easier today because when people come to work, they want to come to a community. A company is a community. And you need to feel love within your community. You need to feel loved by others and you need to love them too in some way. There was a really cool book that I read recently by Barbara, I think, Fredrickson, and it's called like Love 2.0. And it's really interesting. It's about how love can come up in so many different ways and it exists in these individual moments. And I love that so much because I feel like when we show up and we connect with someone, you could be at the grocery store checking out. And I had this experience actually recently at Whole Foods. I'm checking out and the person who's checking me out at the grocery store is like asking me, hey, how's it going today? Like, how are you? And just we had this like moment of connection where we actually talked for a minute. And I was like, yeah, this person really like connected with me. I feel so seen here. And I like kind of love this person in this moment. Yeah, very different than the person checking you out that's like, hey, it's like a check the box. Yeah, how are you doing? Did you find everything okay? Which is fine. But I think it's not the norm. So when someone intentionally connects with you, it, it makes an impact. It totally does. And in the workplace, I feel like as leaders, that that is our number one job. It's to really zero in and connect with our team so that we can understand what is the pulse of the company? The strategy that we're sort of putting forth, is that working? <laughs> because I think if you don't do that, you stay in a place where you just keep going with what you think is right without relying on the people that you hired and you trusted to do their work and keep their ear to the ground. So uh, it seems to me like that's what we all need to be starting with as leaders. Tell me then, how have you leveraged love and connection and humanity and empathy to nurture and preserve your culture at Wambi? You know, during the pandemic, I think every workplace culture was put to the test and we were no different. We were a remote environment to begin with. We did get together in person on a, a regular basis, but when the pandemic happened, we had team members that lived alone that were in their apartments by themselves for months on end and didn't see other humans. And when you have that type of isolation, loneliness is a very scary thing. And as a company, we really thought about how can we maximize some of the things that we've been doing in the past to keep culture alive and well and thriving and really build a virtual community where people feel embraced, even if they haven't seen another person for, for months at a time. And it was a challenge. But what we did was we took the programming we had before. We do something called flock talk programming where individual team members bring their expertise to bear on a call, whether that's a yoga instructor, someone who's great at budgeting, someone who wants to share about the way that they conduct their life personally. And we bring sort of these people that volunteer on our team to a call and they share their passion with other people on the team. So that's one thing that people love. We did a lot of activities. We did like scavenger hunts. We did celebrations. We did, of course, like the typical happy hour and things like that. If you're familiar with like MTV Cribs from back in the day, we had tours of people's houses on, on uh, these flock talks. We did wellness chats. And those things go a long way. I think in addition to some of the programs that we did, we also really checked in with team members. Like when we asked, how are you doing? We didn't accept, okay, I'm fine. Like, let's go to the agenda. 
we kind of put the agendas to the side and we got real with the team and we shared our own fears and vulnerability as leaders. And then they were able to share them right back with us because it really was a scary time. And I thought every day, how do I balance being real with the team and not knowing what's happening during COVID and also optimism because I know that it's going to be okay. But it was a challenge and, and it's something that we thought about consciously literally daily. And I think that we ended up doing a a pretty good job of it. We still have continued to do a lot of this programming now as COVID continues on and and folks are still quite isolated. But I think that even after the pandemic, which, oh God, I love saying that because that's so hopeful. (laughs) Hopefully that will be sooner than later. But um, that's something that will continue because I think connecting in more meaningful ways is always going to be beneficial for a culture and digging in deeper to how someone is feeling, it's essential. We have to do it. And we have to do it now more than ever. Well, and I know that you have a lot of other deliberate practices that you you have besides the Flock Talk series, which I love that, letting people just come and share their gifts and passions and getting to see them as humans. Can you talk about what are some of the other deliberate practices that you have in place that really help you nurture and preserve your culture as well? I think one of the things that that we do in addition to the compassionate curiosity, obviously we do typical things. We have one-on-ones weekly with our team members. We have group team calls weekly. We have all hands calls every other week where we share some big wins and some updates from different departments. In each of these scenarios, especially in the larger calls, we focus a lot on getting back to our purpose. And obviously at Wambi, one of the things that we do is we collect these unbelievable patient stories, these patient wombies that are stories of gratitude of a patient with a healthcare worker. And we read them as part of our calls and our meetings. And we get grounded back into the work that we do and why we do it. The other thing that we started doing very recently was we're now reading recognitions between team members on these bigger calls to just show and highlight the importance of folks sharing that recognition with one another. And so in each meeting that we have, as we ground ourselves back in the voice of the patient and in the gratitude that we feel for one another, we we get softened to why we're here. And that is something that I think is a really important practice that we do regularly. Yeah, you, I love it because I think sometimes you can have people who maybe are more on the technology side of what you do and they can get knee deep in tasks versus, oh, take a step back of why am I doing this and that I'm a human being and I can connect with others. So you've talked a lot about being vulnerable and, and showing up differently than you did before Wambi. What do you think is the most profound way for leaders to show their human side? That's a great question. And I could start by talking about authenticity, being present, breathing, listening to music, nature, all these things sort of that that I do that allow me to be fully present. But today, it dawns on me that something recently happened at Wambi where in March of this past year, we actually lost Alex's dad. He passed away and he had been fighting his chronic illness that had many complications for years. And he happened to be treated at University of Miami Health System, which is where he was cared for, for most of his adult life. And they did just a beautiful job caring for him, not just clinically, but as a person. So when he wanted to watch the game on TV and couldn't figure out how to put it on, he was a big sports guy, someone from patient experience would come up and would actually put the game on for him. Or when he didn't have a comfortable armchair, that was brought in for him. Just the way they cared for him was such a special thing. And 
two months after that, University of Miami signed on with Wambi. And I came on site to present to the leaders and to begin to get them excited about what was to come. And obviously, it was very special for me and Alex with her dad being treated at this hospital and then them getting Wambi. It just felt like a very special moment. And when I walked in the door of the hospital, I couldn't help but think, my uncle was treated here. He passed away here. And now we're here to share the incredible stories and recognition that these healthcare workers so wholeheartedly deserve. And their executive, their head of patient experience and nursing at the hospital, her name is Dr. Maureen Fagan. She came over to me and she said, Rebecca, we took care of your family and now you're going to take care of ours. And it was one of those just defining moments in my life. And when I shared this story with my team, I couldn't help but cry and talk about how impactful this really was. And I think that in another setting, I wouldn't have been as comfortable sharing sort of the depths of the impact of that moment and how it it really was transformative for me as a person to know this is why I exist. You know, this moment is telling me that and filling my cup in a way that will last a lifetime. So I think that one of the things that I think we can do as leaders beyond anything is tap into the depths of who we are as people and bring that to the forefront and make sure that our teams know when we're moved and make sure that we can convey that with them and not be afraid to show the full spectrum of our feeling related to it and vulnerability. You know, what's great about that, it gets back to something you were talking about earlier is, you know, when we think about oh, we're supposed to be stoic and tough. And no, of course, you don't want to fall apart as a leader. You know, are you going to say, oh my gosh, I'm completely freaking out here when you have to convey, you know, calm is contagious. And you have to convey some calm, but you can be real about, yeah, I'm worried too, I'm struggling, but I'm hopeful. But what what's coming up for me is I think about, in particular, I'm going to say female surgeons that I coach. So many of them have this armor that keeps them from being vulnerable because in the hyper-masculine world of medicine, but particular, a lot of these specialties They literally have said, I had to learn to shut down my feelings, shut down my humanity. And if I don't show up as a bitch, I won't be taken seriously and I will be eaten alive. And now they're further along in their career and they're starting to realize that that maybe got them through medical school or got them through their residency. And now it's coming at a great cost. And so they're trying to get back in touch with what does it mean to be a human and not hide those parts of ourselves that are moved, that do feel, that want to connect with people. And so I think that's a great transition because one of the things that I know is that it is a common part of our own humanity that we armor up, we get in our own way, we tell ourselves stories that help us feel safe, but they also keep us small, they keep us disconnected, they keep us from making the impact we want to have. So I know you've done a lot of work to be authentic and and be a, a human leader and really role model that. But I know that you probably all also still get in your way. So Rebecca, would you be willing to share what is a self-limiting story that you tell yourself and when it shows up, how do you move beyond it so that you can still show up as a leader and have the impact you want to have? That is a beautiful question. And thanks for just going right in there with it. <laughs> I, I love it. Go to the yeah, go right there. Yes. 
You know, I, I feel like for me, it shows up in two different ways. And one of the ways we talked about, right, one of the ways we talked about the softer side and being able to show up. And, you know, a lot of what I said today, for those who don't know me, might think, wow, like this person's like a very soft sort of heart driven person. And that I think is true to some extent, but I'm also quite tough and competitive and I'm an athlete. And I feel like this level of vulnerability is something that I've only accessed in the last couple of years. And it's something I continue to work on every day. And it's not just in my work life, but in my personal life too. It's an area that I, I'm always thinking about. Am I really in touch with how am I feeling? And one of the things that I live by is something a mentor taught me, which is turn up, be present, tell your truth, and let go of the outcome. And this sort of like checklist of am I doing that, I think has helped me to really turn up and be present in the way that I need to be. And then the truth aspect is essential because we have to be able to share the real with people. And I think that that is something that's helped me to become more authentic. Now, from a vulnerability perspective, I shared before, like there, there were many times when I didn't feel comfortable sharing my fear or some of the things that, that get in my way related to failure, things like that. And that's something that I'm constantly working on, which is how can I be more comfortable failing so that my team can be more comfortable failing. And I, and I we talk about it a lot. Like I want to see more failures. I want to see more missteps so that I know we're pushing the limit. And for myself, I need to do that too. So one of the examples of how I did that actually is recently launching the podcast because that was an area where I was like, I don't really know if I need to be doing that. Is, is this just like another podcast like that's out there? Or is this actually going to bring value? Can I do this type of thing? And I questioned myself. Fortunately, I have an incredible team around me who really supported me through it. And both from the like, rah, rah, we got your back perspective, but also just the actual, you know, coaching me around, this is what a successful podcast looks like. And and that is something where I took a chance. Now, I'm still improving in that area, but I feel like taking the risk is so important. And that's one way I think that we show up in our vulnerability and for me specifically. And then on the other side, I will say that I've always not really known how to balance some of this sort of tougher aspect that I was talking to you about, like with the competitiveness and that with some of the soft stuff. So one of the things that I think we're as female leaders that we get sort of boxed in around is, well, you're either a bitch, like you said, or you're like a super soft, you know, person that might be boundaryless in your emotions. And the truth is that neither of those are requirements for being a female leader. And we don't have to fit in these boxes. We can be super complex and the people that we are. And so when I think about being competitive, wanting to win, but wanting the best for everyone and wanting to be real and connected and share love and still push people, that is something that I think is this sort of harmony that I'm looking to bring from an integrated sort of whole person perspective. And that's something that uh, I, I struggle with too, because if I show too much of one side, am I letting down the sort of feminine energy piece if I focus too much on the quote sort of masculine aspects? So I think it, it kind of comes up in both ways. Yeah. Isn't it funny how like it becomes so binary and you're right that we're, we're super, super complex and it's finding that balance. What came up for me as you were saying that a couple things is one, 
like when you talk about normalizing failure, even replacing the word failure, like can it just be like learning, right? Because there really isn't the saying there is no failure, there's only learning. And so many people attach failing as I'm a failure versus no, like every time we quote unquote fail or every time we mess up, it's an opportunity to learn and grow. And so like, you know, even replacing that language of it's not failing, it's what do we learn here? And really, as you were talking, it reminds me of Amy Emmonson's work with, you know, psychological safety that psychologically safe teams and workplaces, it's not unicorns and rainbows. Brene Brown has her motto, clear is kind. Like I can love you and I can want the best for you and I can see the potential in you. And that also means that I'm going to be real with you and give you feedback and help illuminate the blind spots that you have. Because if I don't, that's not actually caring and that's not actually kind. Absolutely. I think looking at at failure as opportunity is everything. It's funny because I, I have a, a young son, he's six years old, and he hates when he like messes something up. Like it just really bothers him. And I'm really working with him on trying to be like, you know what? That's great. Oh, the the tower fell down. Yay. Let's try it again. We're going to make it even better this time. Or like, you know, you're, he's learning to to read and write and he writes like a story or whatever. And in there, there's a couple backwards letters and, and we come in and, and kind of being gentle with it, but also being like, yeah, wow, look at you. You tried it. Like that, the trying, the effort piece is what is the most significant because in the effort are the learnings and the future of our transformation. hundred percent. And my, my son turned 11 a couple months ago. Let me tell you the not liking to mess up doesn't go away, but it's the, no, it's good. It's the learning. And, and I, I love that you talked about effort because going back to the recognition, whether it's in our house with our kids or at work, I think so often I also work with leaders that are like, I'm not going to recognize people for just doing their job or that people have to go above and beyond to get any recognition. Or, you know, what if they work their butt off on something, but it didn't go well, then they feel deflated. If we only recognize results or we only recognize outcomes, but what about recognizing the effort or the heart that someone put into it, even if it completely went backwards. And then, you know, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about one of the things that I've been trying to learn, not just as a parent, but as leaders, when you talk about role modeling, how we handle our own missteps. Are we kind and gentle to ourselves? And are we role modeling that like, oh, it's okay for them to fail, but then we get down on ourselves, right? Or as a leader, it's okay for someone else to fail, but then we hold ourselves to some ridiculous standard and and burn ourselves out. So I think that we have to be really mindful of how we convey and model the normalcy of messing up and being human and learning and growing. That's a great point. And there are so many places I think where we can mess up and the risk is is kind of low. I think in healthcare, we have this situation where it's like, if you mess up, that could mean death. And that is something that that I think neither you nor I or anyone who talks about focusing on the positive is going for, but I think to get clinicians and providers refocused around, yeah, we're going to to prevent harm. We are going to do that. We are going to look at issues when they come up. We are going to do all of the work that we know is so important to get better. But in order for you to kind of show up here with your best self and to do the best care you can do, your cup has to be pretty full to do that. We know that you need five positives for every one critique, right? In healthcare, I feel like we do the exact opposite and we do it way worse. So it's like, it's if we can just get people back to feeling good about the work that they're doing, then yes, all of those sort of instances that are going to need to be worked on are going to happen in a much more natural and systemically sound way. 
I know I always say <laughs> with the docs that I coach, I'm like, look, if you're operating on me, I want you to have a hyper-focused level of precision, 100%. But you can't take that level of precision and expectation to everything. And so, yes, you hope that there's not a horrible adverse patient event, but every misstep that happens along the way, we have to look at what do we learn so we can be better. And how can we look like to your point, look at all the good that we do and make sure our cup is as full as it can be, which can be really hard to do these days. So I want to transition to our quick questions segment, if you're game. Oh, I'm game. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. Rebecca, fill in the blank. Living authentically is? Bringing your integrated life to the forefront in everything you do. Magical. Yes. When the world is presenting an opening, but you don't feel like showing up as a leader, what do you do? Ask yourself, what would I do if I wasn't afraid? What's something people would be surprised to know about you? I worked with special needs kids for a long time, and I actually am conversational in sign language. Love that. I, I tried to learn that once, um, but then, you know, like many things, it falls to the wayside. So that's fantastic. It's very helpful at a big party where it's noisy and you're trying to talk to someone across the room. <laughs> I, I love it. I'm sure. <laughs> What's your favorite go-to movie? I absolutely love the movie Avatar. You know, with Avatar, my favorite thing is always, I see you, right? It's I see you. I, so I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I absolutely love that. What's your go-to song? I Was Here by Beyonce. Yes. <laughs> what's something, and I say something lightly, it doesn't have to be a thing, but what's something you can't live without? My son. I'll have to put him on the list. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be good. That would be good. Yes. <laughs> what's something in your ordinary daily life that makes your heart happy? I think my fish tank. What's in your fish tank? I have a bunch of uh, of fish. This was a COVID project that we did over here. And then our fish had babies and I raised them in a nursery within the tank. It became a very involved process, actually, but they, they did survive. So now we have eight additional fish in the tank. It's a pretty large tank. So I do love looking at that fish tank. It's very relaxing and uh, kind of brings me back to nature. School of fish brings you zen. And what are you grateful for right now? I'm so grateful for so many things. I'm grateful that my my family got through, uh, you know, some of their them had COVID. I'm grateful that as a family, we had some serious losses this year of my grandmother and my uncle that I shared earlier and how we stuck together and supported each other. And the fact that we had the love that we had with them in the first place and are able to still hold on to that since their passing. And I'm unbelievably grateful to be able to have Wambi as my, really my profession, but just so much more. It's just the expression of who I am, I feel like. And to be able to do that every single day, Wambi is a really special place and it's my love. <laughs> and I'm so incredibly grateful to be able to lead a company that's doing really amazing work with an incredible team that's supporting us. I love everything you're doing at Wambi. I think that healthcare needs it. And I love not just what you're doing for the healthcare community, but really exemplifying the leadership that we all would want to have and just the difference that you're making with your team. So one last question for you. If you could challenge leaders everywhere to practice this one behavior that would create more human workplaces and equip everyone to show up as a leader, what would that be? It would be to go beneath the surface in our conversations 
with team members to really dig in and understand where they're coming from in ways that you, you can't really find out from a, how are you? And an I'm fine. That is stellar. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for all you do and for this amazing conversation. Thank you so much. It's been, it's been a real privilege. I'm Rosie Ward, and this is Show Up as a Leader. To learn more, head over to peopleforwardnetwork.com. And of course, hit that follow button.